It is Monday, August 14th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. I've arrived safely back in Los Angeles for the next few days. I feel like this is the first show in about three weeks where we're both in our abodes. I mean, both you and I are grinders, Chris. Yeah, so yeah well, you're doing your NFL stuff. I'm doing my Bally stuff, yeah. traveling, all that good stuff. But I am happy to be here, you and I together, where we mm-hmm. need to be talking ball because a lot of stuff happened this weekend. Yes. I know we're going to get into it. I see the hat that you're wearing. Okay, Chris Rose. Yes. Get to them momentarily, but I want to start off with the tip of the cap. The John Singleton. We talked about his story earlier this year. Finally hit a home run back in the show with a team that he signed that extension with many, many moons ago. He hit not one Friday night. He hit two homers. His homerless drought in Major League Baseball stopped at eight years and 13 days. Could you imagine going almost a full decade between show homers? No, it's amazing. It's This is a really good story. Obviously, you know, we understand that he got a contract with the Astros. It didn't work out. Spent some time away from baseball. Goes back into the Mexican League. Was with the Brewers earlier this season. Actually got to see him play in person. Um, and then he ends up with the Astros. Jose Abreu's nursing a back. He's got a couple quarter zone shots. So Singleton's getting a little shot to play. If this cool. becomes a thing, C. Rose, I mm. mean, it would be one of the better stories in baseball this year over the last couple of years to come full circle like this is really cool. And um, Singleton's wife actually listens to talking baseball. So we gave that, we gave him a shout out earlier today Nice, and let's give her a shout out too. Obviously, you know, she's instrumental in a lot of his success as well. So shout out to both of them. Hasn't been shy. He was suspended many, many, many games, had a substance abuse problem, had to get right. And we love stories where people find their way through a very dark forest. So good for him. It was the longest homerless drought by a position player since Raphael Belliard, little light-hitting shortstop for the Braves, uh, went 10 years between big flies. Good for him. All right, uh, let's jumpstart our five questions with some unreal finishes, particularly out west. Enjoy the sights and the sounds from San Francisco and Seattle. into center field. Hit well. Hit deep. Mullins! He got it! He He cannot be serious! He cannot have just done that! He cannot have just... And Mullins drives this one into right field. That's a fair ball. That is deep. That is out of here! Cedric Mullins robs a home run! Cedric Mullins hits a home run! And the Orioles are back in front! you kidding me? Cedric had, this is probably the greatest two half innings I've ever seen a player have. He brings a home run back, hits one foul, and then comes back and hits a two-run home run. Greatest half inning, two half innings of a player ever. It, it's possible. So which finish got your blood going a little bit more? 
Uh, I'm happy for Patrick Bailey and the Giants. They needed that victory. They were about to get swept. Uh, he avoids that. So good for them. I'm hoping maybe that's who you're talking about. Uh, I'm going to go with Cedric Mullins. I mean, he didn't even start the game. He came in as a defensive replacement, I guess. And then you robbed the homer. And that wasn't just like, hey, I got to the wall and jump. Like he, he robbed that one, Chris. Like he went over and got it. And the battling the sun in a day game, you have to take that into consideration. And then he comes up and hits an absolute bomb. He had to have been swinging the bat well. Um, to come up and do that, that wins the series you know, for the Orioles, who have the second-best record in all of baseball, going up against a very good Mariners team who's been playing really good ball mm-hmm. for a special weekend up there in Seattle where they're you know, giving honors to King Felix. They had a couple really late, close you know, victories where they snatched the game from the Mariners. So I think you know, we always talk about like what how does Baltimore do it? Like you go look up and down the stat sheet for them, you're like, okay, all right. This is how they do it. You know, they 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 win games like this. So I'll I'll say for me it was the Mullins and the Orioles game, uh, but obviously two very good games out there out west. And part of the big deal winning Sunday was the fact that they used Felix Bautista for six outs on Saturday in a ten inning win. So he wasn't available to close it out. They ended up where they gave up a homer anyway in the ninth inning with two outs and then having to go extras and rebound. That was very cool. But I am wearing the San Francisco Giants hat for a reason. Patrick Bailey saved your boy's ass. He really did. Logan Webb was throwing unbelievably well. He was this close to a one nothing shutout. Eight and two thirds. Gives up a two-out double, and here comes Gabe to pull him. Now, I get it. Camilo Duvall is no joke. That dude is as nasty as it gets. But Kapler goes out there to a chorus of boos. How often does a manager get booed when you're leading with two outs in the ninth? Well, it ends up where Texas gets an infield single. Guy ends up scoring. Martinez, I believe. They go to extras. Texas takes the 2-1 lead on the Duvall balk. And now Will Smith, the former Giant, comes in with the base runner starting at second. And it's very rare where the guy doesn't move with the first two at-bats, right? Smith gets two outs, and the guy's still stuck on second. So here comes Bailey, the rookie catcher, who did such a great job weaving Logan Webb through this possible shutout, and now they're one out away from looking at a series sweep against him. And he saved him. Saved him. And the fact, how many teams, by the way, would draft a catcher two years after you take a catcher number two overall. But that's what this organization did. They saw something special in this kid. Didn't he end a game this year on a pickoff attempt? On a pickoff? Defensively? And now he's got a walk-off homer? Pretty cool. No, he's been special for them. And, and uh, you know, any Giants fan that you talk to is going to start to mention Patrick Bailey pretty quickly into the conversation. He also threw a runner out in this yep. game with the 1-7-1 the pop time, which is incredible uh so yeah he's been he's been he's been their guy and the overall statistics again they don't look great for him it's not buster posey-esque but i don't think that's fair but he has been the guy that saved them many times uh and this is just another instance of that uh bailey by the way the youngest giant to hit a walk-off homer since pablo did it in 2009 uh speaking of exciting we had another crazy finish all the way across country down in Miami. 2-1. That is going to do it. Jake Berger 
guy, Paul Severino, on the call. Good job, Paulie. Uh, bigger win for the Fish, tougher loss for the Yankees. Oh, shoot. Depends who you talk to. Yankees fans, I mean, I just talked to Jake about it on our show. He's basically saying the season is over. You know, they can't hit. They can't do all of this. But I, I'm going to say it's a bigger win for the Marlins. And they've continued to be uh, in the playoff spot. I think they're still a half game up on those the Reds in, in Chicago as we, as we record right now. Uh, they made a bunch of moves at the deadline that, you know, we weren't really expecting them to do much. And they brought in the guy, they brought in Jake Berger. Um, you know, they bring in David Robertson. They brought in some people there to help them get into the playoffs. And I just mentioned again, or earlier this morning about Sandy Alcantara and what he's been able to do. He goes nine innings in this series. Um, and his last eight starts have been really good before that he was kind of struggling. So like they're, they're a team that we've always said that get them in a playoff spot. They saved Yuri Perez's arm a little bit, so I think he's going to be able to continue to pitch. You get them in a playoff spot, and you get some of their guys going uh, on that mound, and and things can happen. So, I think, I mean, it's a big win. And but but honestly, Chris, I'm, I'm going to say something here that I don't know it might get me in trouble because I always get called a Yankee hater. I always get called a Yankee. I don't even know yeah. why. I I root for the Yankees. It's good for our company. <laughs> like we sell a lot of Yankee shirts when they're doing good. So. Um, I don't like them beating the Yankees isn't that special to me, but I guess the way they did it, that's what it is. I think is more interesting to me to be able to come back like that, you know, in this series. I mean, they're another team. Like how do the Marlins do it? Well, they do stuff like this. So I think it was a bigger win for them as they continue to hold on to a playoff spot. I would agree with you. Yeah. They're trying to keep, you know, like the reds and the Cubs, like, like the big brother where you keep pushing the little brother just try although they're really the little brother cuz they haven't been to the playoffs in a 162 game season since 2003 when they won it all two damn decades there's going to be a lot riding on this one guy you left off of the acquisition roster was Josh Bell he's been yeah. great for them since he came over from Cleveland you know he kept that inning alive right Holmes couldn't field it cleanly threw the ball all the way down the right field line that's when it just became a mess for the Yankees. As far as the Yankees side of this, I'm going to let one Michael Kay encapsulate the feeling, I think, for just about every Yankees fan out there. And the pitch. And that'll do it. Arise will score a brutal, gut-wrenching loss for the New York Yankees as the Marlins win 8-7. Improbable, unbelievable, inconceivable, and absolutely devastating. That's a great call by Michael Kay because it doesn't encapsulate everything about it. Here's what I worry about for the Yankees. This season has become insignificant for their fan base is what it feels like. Because I threw out right after that happened, I said, boy, talking Yanks is going to be a must-listen today. And the responses I got were, it's nothing we haven't seen over the last 50 games. Like, okay, it was almost expected. Like, holy shit, this is where the Yankees are today? Yes. You're going to have to do a deep dive into your franchise hierarchy to see exactly, like, you still have Gary Cole. You still have Aaron Judge. Giancarlo Stanton has been hitting homers here in the second half. Man, y'all are going to have to look at yourselves in the offseason. If this is where you are with less than seven weeks to go, oh, well, it's kind of what we expected. 
Damn, I never thought I would hear that out of a Yankee fan's mouth. I mean, if you look at the roster, the guys that are like throwing the ball for them right now, it's it's not great. So they've had some injuries there. Cole's been Cole's been great, but um, they they can't hit. You know, besides Judge and you know maybe uh, one or two other guys, it was just the offense isn't there. So there are things they're going to have to address this offseason, one hundred percent. I mean, even Fayo in our chat right now says. The Yankees losing was just another step in an already decided direction. That is that is the feeling of all the Yankee fans, and it has been that way probably for the last, I would say, like two weeks, three weeks it started that. Ever since Judge went down, maybe, I think that's where they thought they were headed, or maybe they mm. were, you know, like they still had a little bit of, like, when is he coming back? When, when yes. we started to get, like, the we don't have a timeline for Judge, I think that's when everyone was like, well, if we don't have Judge, we don't have anything. I know, but this is a team that when they – when they added Carlos Rodon to that rotation, based on what he had done the last two years in San Francisco and on the south side of Chicago, you went, geez, even if their offense struggles like it did in the second half, even when Aaron Judge was making a run toward history last year, you thought that their pitching would be enough. Garrett Cole, you get an A++. You have been worth yeah. every damn penny since you signed on the dotted line. Everybody else, Rodon, not good, banged up. Cortez, Hopefully, we'll see you next year. Severino, no idea what the fuck has happened to that guy. And Frankie Montas, forgot he even pitched in the big leagues. That was supposed to be the power part of this franchise. And instead, it's a bunch of guys where you're like, ah, they're okay. But if they were pitching for the Kansas City Royals, you wouldn't pay attention to them. But because they're in pinstripes, you do. So that's where this franchise is. They're at a loss. And I would be very shocked if they are playing meaningful baseball in October. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Are you a little bit like me? Do you check out your credit card bill and you're like, holy smokes, I subscribe to that? Like, I, that's the thing I get? I mean, they're so easy, right? You see something pop up on your phone. You're like, hey, I subscribe to that. And then $9.99 later, you're like, Jesus, what am I doing? I don't, I don't even use that thing. So there's subscriptions everywhere from streaming services to fitness programs. It's impossible to keep tabs, and that's why we are huge fans of Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, helps you lower your bills all in one place. So with Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times, no more annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money, they do all the hard work for you. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place. It recommends custom budgets based on your past spending. They'll even send you notifications when you have reached your spending limits. It is so hard to figure out how to keep a budget. Even me, who's been on the earth for more than half a century, I sit there, I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what my budget was. These people help out. More than 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of 720 bucks a year. So you can have a choice. You want $720, or do you not? It's your call. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash today. Once again, that is rocketmoney.com slash today. Rocketmoney.com slash today. Continue on with an interesting series out in Queens. Braves end up winning three of four, including a ridiculous doubleheader sweeper. Nicky Lopez did everything, including, I think, clean the dugout. Um, after Saturday's action, Ozzy Albies was asked how much he enjoys beating the Mets. He said, quote, a lot of pleasure, of course, because they always say they're going to beat us. 
That's all I can say. I won't say much. This came on top of Mike Puma's New York Post report that said Verlander and Scherzer had a strained relationship as Tigers teammates, and a source said even the veteran pitchers worked toward harmony with the Mets. There was the occasional discord. Verlander was, quote, a diva, according to a Met, which caused Scherzer to grouse about Verlander and him staying in Queens. Do either of those stories do anything for you, or is it just blah, blah, blah? Yeah, I think I'm more on the ladder there about blah, blah, blah. Like, Ozzy Albies wanting to beat the Mets. Like, obviously, I mean, yeah, it's like a interdivision rivalry. And, but it's, I don't didn't even, you get, didn't you get the feeling that he felt like they talked a lot of shit? And, yeah, although I, mean, I yeah. never, I didn't see a lot publicly. So maybe it's just on the field. Maybe he knows a couple guys on the team, something yeah. like that. But I mean, the Braves have been dominant, so yeah, it's killed you. He doesn't even really need to worry about that at all, you know. And 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 honestly, it's kind of easy to talk crap when you're when you're just when you have the best team in baseball. So I don't really, you know, really think about that too much. Um, and then like the Scherzer Verlander stuff. I mean, I wish I don't like the anonymous Met, and I understand like you don't want to you're not going to come out and get, put your name on something like this. But if you're going to talk to a reporter, like maybe you should put your name on it. And if you're too, if you're too chicken to put your name on it, just don't talk to a reporter. Like I, I don't like that aspect of it. Um, Scherzer and Verlander, like having like a strained, weird relationship. And we've heard that since Detroit. So like oh, yeah. we talked about that when they got together, like, Hey, like what, what's this dynamic going to be like? But I think both of you and I both said like, hey, well, it's later in their careers. Like a lot of things have changed. Like I'm sure they're, you know, different people now and they could learn from each other. And like, how cool is this dynamic going to be? And then I don't know if it ever got there. So none of them really do much for me, to be honest with you. And you know what? You're going to come across people. And I'm not saying like, I know, I, I never played with Verlander. Okay. So I don't know how he is in the clubhouse. Uh, but guess what, dude? Like sometimes people like do what they do and they have their own programs and guys that have had his success can kind of have their own program. So I don't, it doesn't really bother me. Like if you want to, if someone wants to come out and say Verlander isn't the best teammate. Okay. Not everyone's the best teammate, dude. Uh But when you got a guy putting up numbers like him, like you kind of put up with some stuff. So neither of these really do too much for me. And again, I just will reiterate by saying, if you're a player, and you go to talk to a reporter, and you have to say, don't put my name on this, don't talk to the reporter. Either put your that name is, on it or don't say shit. Yeah, it, I do always find it interesting why players – I like it. It's kind of juicy. It's always interesting. You get you find out really interesting stuff from these really good reporters, um, but why people need to talk. I guess it's, that's a, that mirrors everyday life. Like we, we all know people that – you can't share secrets with because they won't be secrets very long because they can't shut their mouths. I have some very good friends, people I love dearly. I would never tell it shit to because they can't keep their mouths shut. And I suppose that populates in the clubhouse too. Neither of these stories do much for me because I've heard the Verlander Scherzer stuff for years. You always heard part of the reason Scherzer wanted to leave Detroit. He didn't get along with him. This doesn't surprise me, and you, you're right about the other stuff. Like, I can tell you, the guys I've talked to in baseball over the last 20, 25 years, guys who have played with aces, some sometimes they're their own people. And they said, hate you four days, love you on the fifth day. 
Can't stand <laughs> you for four days. Wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. But on the fifth day, I'll do anything for you. Just show up. Especially starting pitchers, dude. Like, they're just different anyway. Like, Sonny Gray, I'll, I'll throw this out there. Sonny Gray is one of the most likable guys that we have in the game. Like, he's just like, he's a wealth of knowledge. He shares it with his teammates. He's a great teammate um, for four days. On the fifth day, he's one of those guys. You just, he just, you don't talk to him on his start day. You just don't. And he, you know, he's, he just goes about his business and does it. I'm not saying that makes him a bad team. I'm just saying, like, right. starting pitchers do stuff differently because that's just the way the game is. So, like, if you're telling, like, a story comes out, oh, a starting pitcher was being a little diva-ish, you know what I say? Oh, no shit. Like, that's par for the course with starting pitchers. So, I don't know, man. Meantime, some fantastic players were honored this weekend. Um by their old team, started with Fernando Valenzuela on Friday night. Finally, his number 34 was retired by the Dodgers three decades after he threw his last pitch for that team. It was just a beautiful, for people that don't understand it, he has meant so much to not only that team, but that community. For a kid from Mexico to come up in the early 80s and do what he did, sensational, sensational stuff. I want to um, speak on that real quick before you go, because I yeah. went to Dodger Stadium this weekend, and... um I mean, obviously, you live in L.A., so you understand, like, the Mexican heritage that is here, the culture mm -hmm. that is here. I mean, this guy is a god, uh, you know, not only for them, but, you know, a, a lot of L.A., but especially for the Mexican-Americans that live here. And that place was – I went on the bobblehead night. So Saturday was uh, Fran Valenzuela bobblehead uh, oh, night. Oh, it must have been great. And that place was packed, and it yeah. was juiced. And I saw so many – uh, Fernando Valenzuela jerseys, which you really think about it, like how many players, old time players, I'm like, I mean, I don't mean to say that in a negative way, but like, you know, older players, you show up and at the stadium, uh, like their jerseys are still there. It's like what, like Ken Griffey Jr., yeah, it's not uh, a lot. maybe like a Jeter, you know, like Fernando Valenzuela is one of those people. It was, it was a great weekend and they swept the Rockies. So, like, a great weekend for uh, Dodger baseball. And it was mostly because of Valenzuela. Yeah, he was unbelievable. When he came up, uh, I think he started the 1981 All-Star game in Cleveland where they came back from the strike. And he used to throw the screwball where he would look into the sky, which was yeah. unreal. And so <laughs> I started to try and throw a screwball, which hurts like hell. But it was so much fun. We all wanted to be like Fernando Valenzuela. Um, there were a couple of others. You had Jose Batista, which he went into the Jays' level of excellence. By the way, it's not called a Hall of Fame. It's called a level of excellence. That is cool. I like that. And then King Felix uh, went into the Mariners Hall of Fame. He sat on the throne next to all yeah. the rest of the Mariners royalty, which was flat out unbelievable. So I just want to give all those guys love. The King Felix, when he walked out of the center field and they're going crazy for him and he's tearing up and you could just see how emotional it was. And then Adrian Beltre, his really good friend, whom he competed with and against for years there in the American League West. He didn't expect him to be there. I think that Beltre was in Dubai a couple days ago, and he was like, fuck it, I got to get back and see my boy. And so they embraced. It was just really, really cool stuff. I was very, very happy for him. If there was a guy that his number is not retired or he's not in a team hall of fame or something, and you could put him in there and say he deserves to be there, like Fernando, it's shocking his jersey wasn't retired until now is there somebody is there a name you could come up with or no 
I, I did. This was the, the question I said I had a kind of a problem with here because I, I, I initially was going to say Prince Fielder with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, but I guess last year, and I should have known this because Braun was there uh, with him. Ah. So he got put into the, like whatever their okay, thing cool. is. So I was going to say him. Another one, and I, I'm assuming this will eventually happen, I think, uh, because he did have a, a day earlier this year. Uh, I'm talking about Sergio Romo here for the Giants. Remember, Whoa. he went back in spring training and like threw his final pitch as a Giant, came off. He He wrote a big... Uh, article for Players Tribune about what the game of baseball meant to him. But I think he was such an embodiment of that Giants run. And his numbers were great uh, with the with with the Giants from 2008 to 2016, 430, 439 and two-thirds innings pitched. So 440 innings pitched. Uh, he had a 146 ERA plus um, like part of all of those World Series runs. I think eventually they'll do something there with him. Uh, but I, I think he's a guy who's just so beloved there that I think that uh, eventually he'll get some sort of commemoration done with him. For me, this is an easy one. Um, I went through the list yesterday. I was doing research. You, This is the greatest double play combo in the history of the sport. They came up together in 1977. They exited one year apart in the mid-90s. One guy eventually found his way to Cooperstown thanks to the senior committee. The other guy just put up better numbers than him throughout his career. Alan Trammell is in. Lou Whitaker's number one is not retired. And I understand why. There are eight players that have, and or managers, that have their number retired in Detroit. Seven of them are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. The one guy who's not is Willie Horton. Outstanding player. Grew up in Detroit. I think he went to Northwestern High School there. So I understand that. But how you can talk about Alan Trammell and not mention Lou Whitaker to me is insane. Just go. This is like this is a teaching moment for people, because I would say 98 percent of the people that listen to this podcast or join us on AMP or watch it on YouTube have no idea who Lou Whitaker was. He was one of the best second basemen of his era. He played nearly 20 years, all with the Tigers, helped them coast to a World Series win in 1984. It was Trammell and Whitaker. They were great defensively. They won multiple gold gloves. He could run. He could hit for power. I I think you got to make an exception here, Tigers. What's the holdup with Lou Whitaker in the Hall of Fame? The guy's got 75 it's, career war. I know. And, and it's, it's surprising 20, almost that he's 2,400 career hits. I mean. And, and at that position, too. At second exactly. base. Like, it's just. Three-time gold glove, rookie of the year, four-time silver slugger, five-time all-star. What are we doing here? He didn't get a ton of Hall of, of uh, MVP votes, and I think that that's probably the holdup is my guess. But I would also guess that if he played in today's era and put up such solid numbers because of the way that we look at numbers as opposed to the way we did back then, I yeah, think exactly. he probably would have gotten more MVP votes. So there you go. Uh, speaking of Joey Bats, and I hate to do this, but it popped into my brain. What's the more iconic image of him in a Blue Jays uniform? Hitting that home run in the playoffs with arguably the greatest bat flip ever or him taking a hook to the chin from Ruggie Odor? I'm not just saying this to be like pro player and be a nice guy. I still think it's the bat flip. I mm-hmm. think that was that resonated with so many more people, and it was kind of like the beginning of this. Like, let's let's have some emotion. Like, this is okay. 
the Rangers got so mad about it, all this stuff. But like, how could you not be like excited people? Like, I think that was the moment where like, cause that place was rocking. You saw the bench come off. That's pure raw emotion. So how could you not? I got chills just watching that right now. Holy yep, shit. Me too. Um, how could you not want that in the game? I think that was the, what was this? 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. How could you not want it? Like, I think that was the beginning of when like, we were like, all right, let's, let, let's get some more of this into the sport because, you know, like the Latin culture has come and, and done some really, really good things for our game. Um, Some of the excitement that they bring and how they play uh, is part of that. And I think this was like, this is one of the beginnings of that. So I'm I'm all about this. I I understand people are probably, you know, they're gonna remember the Odor punch for a long time too. But this was so much has so much of an impact on the game of baseball and the way that it's being played now. I think this is 100 percent the more memorable moment. That swing is the reason that Bautista was honored over the weekend. It's that swing. It's outside of Joe Carter's home run. It's the biggest moment in Blue Jays history, and I know that they had won another. World Series prior to Carter's swing. But that's it right there. When you go talk to people in Toronto, give me the two most iconic moments in the history of that franchise. Carter's one, and this is two. And that's it. You're right. I mean, I I had no rooting interest in here, and I was like, holy shit. I cannot believe it. It's one of those moments where you're just like, damn, that is awesome. So good awesome. for Joey Bats. By the way, um, an intentional talk. We did a like a top 10 list of players one time. And this is just when he really started to take off. He was having a great first half. And Millar and I are flying to the All-Star game. And we, wa- we walk into the security line. And I hadn't met Joey Bats. I made him number 11. But M- Millar was close with him because they had played together in Toronto, I think. And I sh- stick out my hand to sh- shake his hand. I was like, hey, Joe, Chris Rose. He goes, I know who I am. I know who you are. You're the guy that has me number 11. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so he kind of was just screwing around, I think. But it was one of those moments where I was like, hey, hey listen, 11's pretty good. But yeah. And it, I feel like he has like a weird reputation around baseball, but mm-hmm. like any, I think so. Like for like fans and stuff. But anyone that's ever played with this guy loves him. So Dude, he was. He was a 23rd guy on a roster. He was bouncing around. He was in Pittsburgh. You know, you didn't think. And then he became one of the stars of the game. Good for him, man. Uh, Latest episode of the Rose Rotation is out with Austin Hedges. Give it a listen. Uh, Shocking how he found out he was traded. Somebody may have given him a little advice. Hey, you're on the move. Um, And then we talked about something really interesting that we'll get into maybe later this week. He got it to a time where he was getting booed every at-bat in Pittsburgh and how a guy deals like that when he hasn't had to at home. It was really a fascinating discussion, I thought. A lot of good stuff. Uh, we are back at it again on Tuesday. We'll uh, put on our social media what time it is. I don't know exactly yet. We will find it out. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rook, and the always entertaining and intelligent and good-looking Trevor Plouffe, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Tuesday on Baseball Today.